Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Raptors Over Everything podcast. My name's Emmett Mann. Rate, review, subscribe, like, all that stuff across the board on YouTube or on a podcast platform, whatever you got. Uh, yeah. Go ahead and do that. And also hustle play. I don't know if you guys realize this yet, but we just started a podcast with Chris Boucher hosted alongside Mike Roach. Check that out. First episode was really cool. Chris, very hilarious. Yeah, man. I had no idea it was going to be like that. I was inside the room and he walked in and he was like kind of standoffish, but then we realized why he was standoffish because as he said, if he's in a room of 20 people and he knows 19 of them and he knows he doesn't know one person. It kind of throws him off, but eventually he got more and more comfortable and he was just straight fire. Holy cow. He was so much fun. Actually, I mean, your thoughts on the episode. No, it was hilarious. He just spoke his mind. He was not, you could tell he had a lot of things to say. And I love that. (laughs) I think it's perfect for like the format of a show. So I'm interested to see what the next episode is about. Yeah, should be lots of lots of fun. Um, Much appreciated to Chris and Mike because they brought this idea to the table and it worked out. So that was mm-hmm. really cool. Um, so yeah, check out Hustle Play. Another episode should come out um, probably after the trade deadline. And speaking of which, that is around the corner. So today with Yasmin, we're going to talk a little Bobby Webster. Um, he just had a press conference um, a moment ago, and we'll talk about what he didn't talk about, essentially. And uh, trade prospects, some of the recent deals that have happened in the NBA. And then we'll get into some of uh, the recent stretch of the Raptors, because they've been so good on both ends of the court. But first off, Yasmin, uh, your thoughts on Bobby Webster and his very, very, very candid press conference. <laughs> Yeah, he he um, he couldn't say enough. Uh, yeah. He you kind of have to read between the lines of what he said and trying to try to find the implications. Um, but I thought it was interesting that he was very open about um, Drogic's expiring contract of that size being like an interesting piece for them to use with the upcoming for the upcoming trade deadline. So um, I think that's something that people should expect to happen if he was like, you know, very freely talking about um, the options that it presents to them, options that not a lot of teams in the league uh, frequently have and um, that they haven't really had before. So um, they have a large expiring contract that they could, that apparently based on numerous reports, they've been shopping with a pick to, um, you know, teams out there. Uh, And he also said that with the uh, trades that have already occurred, nothing really has surprised them. So they've kind of expected everything that's panned out so far. So um, I guess that means that nothing that they uh, want for the team has gone off the table. So, yeah, we're going to see how um, it pans out with the um, deadline. What is it? 3.30 on the 10th. Mm -hmm. So um, (laughs) I have a feeling they might be waiting till the last minute. That's kind of their style, but we'll see what happens. Always do that. Even on draft day, right? They're waiting to like 0.001 yeah. <laughs> seconds to let the NBA know who their pick is. They never what have the lead. That, they never it's, have the lead. They never do. And I love it. And it's hilarious that, you know, Shams and Woj, like they're tweeting out every single pick before it happens with the Raptors. Didn't happen. It didn't happen because they don't have any leaks. Oh, it's so funny. Um, yeah, just like you said, um, all that about Bobby. And the other thing that was interesting is that he pretty much said that um, the play of late, from their core has changed a little bit yeah. how their uh, out their outlook on the trade deadline because they have been so good they're really meshing well we're getting into that some some of that stuff now um, I, I don't think we really thought any of the core five were going to go but I wonder if this does lend a little bit to a Chris Boucher for instance because um, a person oh, yeah. asked yeah a person did ask about Chris and um, essentially Bobby was um, mum about it he said yep yeah, uh, we love Chris and Chris loves Canada. Thank you, Bobby. Thank you for your candor. <laughs> Much appreciated. Very, uh, very insightful words right there. So we don't know what's going to happen with Chris Boucher, but I wonder if they're because of his recent play, how valuable he's been off their off their bench, and if they're not really looking to make a huge splash here, he's a valuable yeah, player, it, right? Like, what do you do? Um, his next contract is not going to be crazy. Um, he's not 
he's he's in his prime. He's a player in his prime. He's um, playing so consistently. You could tell he's really accepted a new role on the team. Um, mm-hmm. And he's he's been kind of um, insightful about that, where he's talked about that he's noticed more results doing less. Um, and yeah, you could see it. He's just doing what he can do best on the floor, which is to um, grab the rebounds, take the open threes, uh, make the correct pass, not to play outside of his skill set, um, and instead, you know, thrive in what he can do. Um, so it does kind of change the um, the outlook of what they were going to do because I I thought trading Chris would be a given, but I'm yeah. not too sure anymore because <laughs> you know yeah. what's the point? You have a backup big man who can play significant minutes, you know. Yeah, play the four, play the five, maybe the three, yeah. depending on who he's out there with. Yeah, and uh, I mean their recent stretch, like. I think it does have to kind of change their their uh, stance on things. One other thing you said that I thought was was cool is that they, on purpose, have been playing their starters a lot more minutes because they wanted to see what they look like together. And by doing that, they also developed more chemistry. And that's, I think that has kind of resulted in what they've done over this past little stretch, man. They've been so good. That I mean, we're going to get to the Hornets game in a second, but what I loved about that game so much is that was like a professional win. Like you get up, you get up high on, on a road team on the road and you just know the home team's going to like make a furious push at some point. They did. And the Raptors just didn't break, man. That was a, they're finding new ways to impress us in their ways that they're able to win games. So yeah, very fun team right now. Love their core. Um, So yeah, just going on to some of the trade deadline stuff. And I mean, a lot of the things that, we're going to talk about have been talked about for the past few weeks. We kind of know the players that we feel like the Raptors are targeting. Um, it could be a yeah. Miles Turner, it could be a Yaka Pertle. There was a report over the weekend that they've shown interest in Nick Claxton, um, Robert Williams. So there's a few bigs that kind of fit the archetype, right? Very mobile, can guard a lot of positions, can operate on the perimeter, are great in pick and roll. So there's that. But then also on the other side, um, they've shown some interest in Daniel Gallinari. Um, someone that Messiah has a really good relationship with. Um, you can just kind of see how he would fit. You know, he's a sharpshooter off the bench, um, can play a lot of positions. What were your thoughts on, I guess, where are your thoughts on where the Raptors are now and what they should be targeting at this time? Um, Bobby mentioned it. Uh, Bobby Webster mentioned it in the press conference where um, either they're looking for a, um, a big man that can help with the uh, rim protection or a ball handler or one of another uh, one of their um, switchable wings. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, he mentioned that it would be great if they can consolidate a couple of those skill sets and maybe just get a couple players instead of getting one for each um, skill that they need on the court, uh, which makes sense to me. And um, Gallinari c- kind of satisfies the um, uh, the ball handling and the wing, like getting another large wing. Um, mm-hmm. He's a bit of a defensive liability at this age, um, you know, after injuries and whatnot as well. But, you know, he spaces the floor. He can handle the ball. I think he's like a professional in the sense that he's a veteran. So he can play within a system. He can play uh, within, um, someone mentioned he's probably going to only be playing zone defenses when he's on the court just to try and mask some of his deficiencies on that end. But, um, yeah, I like the idea of getting Danilo Gallinari a lot. I think um, every time we play him, he seems to be doing something. And, um, yeah, he just has a he's, – he's, he's that kind of – he's not a Marcus All. I don't think he's going to have that huge of, uh, effect on the um, on the play on both sides of the court, obviously. But um, yeah. in, a, in, in the sense that I think that he can – in a sense, I think he can just satisfy one thing that the Raptors need, which is scoring off the bench. If you give him that very slim role, I think he can really thrive within that. Um, But yeah, like Bobby mentioned, um, getting a player to kind of consolidate uh, a couple of skills just into one um, bench piece would be really great. And I think they could do that. There's a couple of options out there. Um, uh, I think that if you do get a player like Jakob Pertl, you definitely have to get a ball handler in addition to him. So, um, Mm. or someone that can space the floor because just to add him to a bench unit that already lacks shooting so much, like they have pressures out there on the corners and everything. If you add a, you know, a Yaka Pirtle in the middle of that, they get really muddy. So um, they're going to have to try and space the floor out somehow. But yeah, uh, I think that their outlook on it, their plan um, is going to be a pretty um, effective one. Sure. 
Um, I love Yak. I love what he's done with his career, how he's developed. He's like one of the best bigs when it comes to screen assists. So he's going to get Fred and Pascal open. Um, but like you said, yeah. um, well, what do they do in the event that they do get him? Like, what do they do with him? Is he coming off the bench? Is he their starter? Who is going to the bench? Is it Gary Trent? Is it Scotty Barnes? A lot of decisions that they'd have to make. But in the end, you're getting a seven footer who can shot block, who can set screens, who can run the floor. Um, skills that are irreplaceable. And that's what kind of I, I wonder about this this trade deadline is that the Raptors, like with Drogic now, like they just have this trade chip. Like it kind of allows them to shop at Nordstrom in a way. Like they're just, they're in the expensive area now of things. They're in a whole different stratosphere, <clears throat> not shopping at Old Navy or the Gap because of how much money this, that would be involved in a transaction that they're going to do. Yeah. And when you get a trade chip like this, like you think about the NBA and there are so few big men that A, are like truly big like legit, like seven footers, but yeah. also ones that fit what the Raptors are looking for. And I was on in the boat that they need to get some bench scoring, you know, a guard, a playmaker, yada, yada. But because of how few guys there are that are in the NBA and like the, the hole that has been there since Marcus Gasol and Serge Ibaka left, I, I'm kind of now leaning on the side that if you can get a Miles Turner, a Yaka Pertle, like figure out the bench stuff when you get there in the off season, like you're not going to contending for a championship this year anyways, at least I don't think yeah. so. Who knows if they reel off... 17 in a row, then we'll, we'll see what happens, but maybe you do kind of go all in on getting that center. That's going to help you for a few more years. Yeah. Yeah. That would be the, um, that would be the benefit in getting a Jakob Wirtel or Miles Turner. Um, and also those two players are just valuable assets in general so that moving forward, mm -hmm. they can package them or, you know, pair players in order to upgrade in, in the talent department. So, um, yeah, I think that because the team has been so great because they've been working with what they have so well, um, I think the priority would be, um, setting themselves up for a championship window. I think that he mentioned it as well in the press conference where, um, you know, they want to build themselves to win. So now we're going to be seeing the, the framework be laid down. I think we already see the framework with the starting lineup, um, but the foundation needs to be placed. So I could, the, uh, the next step is really bolstering the bench because right now, yeah doesn't really have much of an identity they're, they're looking for it they i think they found some real lightning in a bottle with that um the six nine um lineups where it's um what is it it's precious siakam um Delano Benton. um who else do they put in there i feel like they're on og and there's one more probably boucher right yeah boucher as well yeah. so og is the best shooter in that lineup <laughs> um but the size Everyone on the court can kind of make that short roll pass. Um, and then you have Siakam as the ball handler. Like it's just, they found some real magic in that. So um, mm. I think it's, I think the fa fact that they found that um, lineup can really help them with their um, kind of broadens their horizons a bit. So it can, they can get really creative with it. But like you said, they're working with a lot of money now. So they're not talking about, it might not be just a fringe piece. They might be looking for a foundational guy um, to sure. move forward with. Yeah, and the Pacers, they're rumored to be looking for two first-round picks um, and also OG and Anobi. Um, the Raptors said, nah, we're not giving you OG. But then also with uh, San Antonio, they're looking also for a few first-round picks. And the Raptors do have picks to play with. They got a few players that if they want to go with, you know, Drogic and Amalekai Flynn, I'm a first-round pick. They can make that kind of deal happen, which I did research, and that actually would put – them exactly where they need to be with the Gallinari trade, if that were to <laughs> work out that way. So it's an interesting time. Um, between Pirtle and and Turner, who would you prefer the Raptors got? Because I know you got some feelings about Miles Turner. Yeah, um, I feel like the Miles Turner. What's the the appeal with him is that he would bring spacing. So you can park him at the perimeter. He can play like a giant shooting guard. Like he can hit those catch and shoot shots. Um, but I feel like Jakob Pertl is such a, his impact on the team, I feel like would be just a little more all encompassing, like his screening, like you mentioned, it would be so major for a team that kind of mm -hmm. struggles to create space. Like the reason why the Raptors have to rely so much on Gary Trent to help with those scoring drops is because he can just create space with ease. Yeah. He rises up. He's learned that step back this year. Um, but you don't want to have to rely so heavily on, you know, a young Gary Trent Jr. So um, to get a player that can free up um, Pascal, that can free uh, Fred Van Vliet, um, that can just help them 
do it drive to the rim which is like what this team needs there's no there's no downhill pressure they're really missing that um you saw it yesterday uh the other night versus the um hornets where when the hornets went into a zone um they couldn't really penetrate no one could really do anything no one could get in between the players get in between those lines so i just feel like yaka portal will just kind of the possibilities are really endless and honestly i think that he can benefit uh, a Delano as well, or even a Malachi Flynn, if he's still on the team, um, just helping the guys that don't have the athleticism to, you know, have that ridiculous first step that few players in the league already have, you know, most players rely on their big man to screen for them, to help them create that space and to get yeah. rolling and get the offense going and get those kickouts going and everything. So um, I think that would really just be a game changer for the team. I feel like Jakob could really affect the system in a way that Miles Turner, I don't think he really can, even though getting Miles might have like a more immediate impact. I feel like Jakob might take a little bit to develop chemistry and whatnot. You might see a Miles Turner go into his, his team and immediately start hitting open shots. But yeah, yeah I would prefer Jakob. And also, honestly, like his finishing is insane. He's an excellent finisher. Uh, I feel like his his rebounding is great he has the size and strength that i don't think is like as prominent with uh miles turner mm-hmm. i see sometimes miles turner get out rebounded by like guards <laughs> so <laughs> i don't see that happening with Jakob. so uh, i'm i'm all bought it and honestly like i know fans want it because of the siakam and Jakob connection you know um Jakob is number 42 because Jakob is 43 so uh honestly I think that they might already have that chemistry built from their early bench mob days so you know there's there's a lot of appeal with it I don't know if they can do a couple picks for it I don't know if I would but they're less I feel like because they got Scotty Barnes they might be less um devoted to the next couple years of picks I feel like you already kind of won the lottery with him literally um, so, you know, you could spare a couple years to build a better team for him because he's your top talent already, you know, so we'll sure. see. And that could extend right to, you know, a Gary Trent Jr. who's 22, OG's 24, uh, Delano Banton. Some people have feelings about him, but he's 22 years old. So yeah. you already have some up and coming prospects that uh, that you can probably put into your system. are going to be big parts of it for years to come. With Pirtle, like I wonder if a Doug McDermott gets included in the, into a deal, right? And so between those two, now we're talking like 22. Three million dollars. Um, now you have some some shooting off the bench. You get your center. Yeah, it's maybe a bit of a, a hefty lift to take on Doug McDermott's contract, thirteen point seven five million dollars per season. But he does fill a need. And as we talk about, you know, how do you you know get yourself in a position to be a championship team? It's about filling roles. And right now they're missing that guy off the bench who can just you know hit shots. And they yeah. really need that. I mean, like they're starting five or taking most of the shots anyways, like 85% of them right now. And I don't think that's really going to change, right? You just yeah. need some more support around them. So it's screen assist, like you're talking about. It's defensive rebounding. It's shooting. They just got to fill these roles because they've already figured out so much of what's going to be their core going forward over these past past 10 games or so. So address the need, address those few things that you can do. And that deal does kind of work. I wouldn't hate it. I mean, Doug's you know, he's yeah. 13.75, but again, he's going to be doing something that you you need and he's big, he's tall. He can kind of move his feet a little bit. Um, Miles Turner, like I'm still very intrigued by him. Culturally, as a fit, he's hilarious. I saw the other day, he was he responded to a fan who said, oh, how does it feel to be on a failing team? He's like, it sucks, but then I remember that I'm rich. I love that. <laughs> like, that's hysterical. Um, he's a bit, he's a, he's a bit, injury prone which could be a problem and yak i think he's the exact opposite he plays through everything another team that's been rumored out there i think they're kind of just sitting there dallas mavericks they've offered dwight powell and reggie bullock two players that you know you're adding to your rotation but definitely not a sexy trade definitely not something you're gonna be like oh great we got these guys you're like we got rid of Dragic, and that whole seg is over you're not going to be excited about that and i think with a trade chip that you have 19 million dollars Dragic, it seems like he's getting more and more interest as you know injuries pile up across the NBA. And also that, you know, he's just been chilling. And it seems like he is practicing with the Miami Heat. I don't want to get into that. That's ridiculous. <laughs> um, it is what it is, though. Okay. I guess because of how things have fallen out with the Raptors, that they're just like, hey, man, just do what you got to do to stay in shape. Let people know that you are physically playing, playing basketball and let people know that you are ready to go. And that yeah. maybe does also help his trade value. Um, any other thoughts on trade deadline stuff? Yasmin. Um, hmm. 
No, I think those are my only interests. Like my ideal scenario would be the Doug McDermott and um, Jakob Hurdle. I think that would be like the perfect mm-hmm. um, mid-season trade for the Raptors. Um, and honestly, I would love for them to get one more young talent to add to the team. But, um, you know, I feel like the com- the contention window for the Raptors has really moved up. Uh, with how good they've been, with how good um, the stars of the team look. Like, Fred Bentley is an all-star. Pascal Siakam is an all-star caliber player. Gary Trent is playing out of his mind. OG has really found a stride as of late. Uh, And Scotty Barnes is in the rookie of the year race. Like, to me, that's a team that's um, looking to contend in the next couple of years. So um, maybe the the, – obviously, the Raptors are always going to use their end-of-bench spots to develop, you know, project players. Um, and I feel like that they already have that in Delano and they can definitely get some in the future with their second rounders and whatnot. But um, I, I feel like now the priority is to really just kind of hoard talent, fill roles yeah. and everything um, and look to compete at the highest level. So, um, yeah, that, that honestly sounds like what the plan is. Like he like you mentioned, he's not looking to make and do anything too major, um, but they just need some roles that need to be filled. And then and then that way, when you fill these roles that are just kind of hampering the Raptors right now, you really get to assess the team. Honestly, like right now, it's hard to exactly. assess them uh, when, when, you know, when they're playing so well. But as soon as they sit down, as soon as one or two guys sit down. Um, everything is cratered. The offense is cratered and everything and the defense falls apart. So um, if you can prevent that, then you can honestly take a look at the team and see what the issues are, see where the deficiencies lie. Uh, But they can't do that right now. So I would love to see um, an iteration of like the team that we could really look at and judge, um, which we haven't really had the opportunity to to do this season. Took the words out of my mouth. I was going to say the exact same thing, that if you want to evaluate this team properly, especially leading into the playoffs, and I think, I mean, I think it's fair to say that they got a really good shot of being in that top six. Um, if you have these deficiencies, you're not going to be able to evaluate them properly because a team, any team in that top six, you got a lot of good teams there. They're going to, they're just going to like plow down on those. And that's going to be the reason why you potentially lose a series. But if you address some of those needs now, then come the off season, then you can take a more holistic look at what yeah. you're missing with your team. And then next season, you're going to be in a better position to take another leap forward because the players are going to do it. It seems like, you know, Fred, Pascal down down the board, like they're all going to get better. You know how they, how they operate, how devoted they are to improving themselves. So they're going to do their part. And now you got to do your part at the trade deadline. Um, Let's move to, to the past six games, past 10 games, however you want to look at it. And it's been so much fun. And the words of Brian Scalabrini, they're going to be a tough team to beat. Right. And I love Scal. I just like his analysis sometimes. So I wanted to (laughs) shout that out, but he did say Fred Van Fleet. And I don't know why people keep on doing that. Why do they say years like what is going on? Why there's no, there's no F there. There's no F. Yeah. Why do you say it's been years. Years. If he was like a second year player, I'd understand it's been, it's been too long. He's a champion. He's an all-star yes. like, come on. <laughs> come on. Gosh. And recently married or uh, engaged. So shout out Fred for making yes, that congrats happen. to Fred. Yes. Yeah. His proposal was definitely much better than course. mine. I, I must say he <laughs> he dunked on me with that one, but that's okay. He makes a lot more money than I do. Um, but yeah, the Raptors 15 and six since they got healthy. Very good. And uh, since January 1st, they're top 10 in defense and offense. One of the hallmarks that we've seen from the Raptors over the past, you know, the Kyle Lowry, DeMar DeRozan era. era. Yeah, maybe they had some playoff failures, but in the regular season, they were always top 10 in, in those two categories. So it's cool to see them getting back there. I guess just like in, in a general standpoint, um, over the past 10 games, what's really stood out to you and and their improved play? Um, That the starters are just on a string right now because um, there have been like the limited minutes we've seen of them. Uh, prior to the new year, it was very limited, but the minutes that we saw, I didn't think they were too inspiring. Uh, I thought it looked kind of clunky. Like um, mm-hmm. there were a lot of, um, there's a lot of push and pull people. I don't think people really knew what the offensive hierarchy was on the team or anything, but like, like right now, I just, I feel like there's an understanding of where the shots go, um, where players know like their roles are and everything. Yeah. Like, I just feel like it, before it was just very, um, I, I there is a I don't know I can't really explain it but there's I get it's a lack of chemistry really there is a lack of chemistry earlier on um that I don't think is present right now um on both ends the d- defensive defensively 
the lack of a center, the lack of rim protection that they have right now is not as noticeable as it was before. I just feel like right now the rotations are crisp. Um, Offensively, during the 24 seconds on the clock, you can see them running through multiple options that I don't think I I saw before. Um, The rushed shots are like far few in between. you know, right now, I just I feel like everyone is just in a rhythm. Everyone, you could see it in their play um, that everyone is thriving in their roles as well. My only critique is that I would like to see Scotty get more involved in the um, mm. bench units. So when Gary and Fred and everyone sits, I'd love for him to just start chucking, like just start taking sure. all the shots because oftentimes with those bench units, he's going to be the more talented scorer um, and that he could share those duties with. Um, OG Ananobi, especially when uh, Siakam is ball handling and playing point guard with those bench units. I feel like he should st- just start scoring more, which I'm, I'm sure he'll do. Uh, it, it, Bobby mentioned on a game-to-game basis, his growth is very visible. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f- are you talking about you insane hollywood ass so to recap we're cutting the price of mint unlimited from 30 dollars a month to just 15 dollars a month give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch 45 dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees promote for new customers for limited time unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows full terms at mintmobile.com hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Um, so I think it's a matter of time we before we start seeing him up his usage a little bit. But um, yeah, in this recent stretch, I'm just seeing like a chemistry with a starting unit that wasn't present before. Um, and uh, I'm seeing a rhythm in the bench unit that I didn't see before. So mm. Precious, I feel like has really kind of found, Precious Achua has found a role um, in the team. He's um, hitting those corner threes. I forgot what the percentages were, but the last five games with the win streak, actually, you, there's a there's a connection between his shooting and the um, wins, and you're seeing it come at the best times. And he's really helping those bench units space the floor a little bit. So if he if his corner three can be a consistent thing, it kind of changes the complexion of the bench unit a little bit. Um, and Delano Benton as well. Um, I've noticed his. Um, improvement as of late. I don't know if it's connected to his G League play. Um, I would love to ask him if the G League run has really helped with his confidence on the court, but um, seeing him drive and kick and everything, he's just far more dynamic. I feel like he's playing like himself and before he was trying to kind of um, be who he thought that they would need, but right now he's playing like Delano, so, and it's been great for the team, so um, I think that's the difference. The difference is just uh, familiarity. Um, and a lot of teams like right now, the full health that they're experiencing is not common <laughs> in the Eastern Conference. I feel like everyone's missing key players, um, especially in the top of the they should really take advantage of the um, less challenging stretch that they have for the next 10 games and use it as an opportunity to shoot up in the standings. Um, because right now, like an, a virtually fully healthy team is so rare in the entirety of the league. Sure. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> on Precious, he had a kickout pass to Fred Van Vliet yesterday. That's right. Fred Van Vliet, not Van Fleet, <laughs> Ryan Scalabrini. Um, he had a kickout pass yesterday to Fred in the corner. And it was a pass I don't think he would have seen or read a few months ago because I think he would have been so focused on probably getting a shot off. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. But uh, the, the, they ran a few actions and he knew exactly where Fred was going to be. And he hit him with it and Fred hit the shot. And it's like, okay, that is some serious growth. And it's like these small little things that we're seeing, like you said, across the board with this team is that everything's like one second faster. With everything they're doing, yeah. whether, it's on, whether it's on offense or it's on defense, like their possessions where it seems like, um, you know, the one side of the court is really heavy and you have Gary who's like constantly moving, it seems like, and he's so good at, good at hitting those shots uh, off the off the. Catch. Oh my goodness, Gary, like right? I can't, I can't even describe, like it, it, I feel like Fred Van Vliet and Gary Trent Jr. really look like a backcourt, like a connected backcourt now, whereas before it was kind of like 
um, I don't know, I felt like two spot up shooters or something. Like I was just waiting for, you know, everyone to take their turn, but seeing them have, uh, even in versus, versus the Hornets, you could really see them taking time to create for each other, to create a little bit of space mm-hmm. for each other using their gravity because both of them have ridiculous gravity on the perimeter. So you could see Gary kind of moving a little bit to the wing so that Fred can have space on the other wing and they're passing yeah. it back and forth until they can get a shot off, which is so incredibly cool. And I think that's going to be so useful for the postseason. Um, and it's nice to see that, you know, Siakam and OG or, or Scotty aren't the only ones creating the threes that the backcourt is doing it for themselves as well uh, without having to rely on ISOs, you know, just doing that mm-hmm. catch and shoot two-man game, which has been like, I feel like a constant in the last several games as well. Um, but yeah, and uh, I, I didn't even mention how um, excellent Siakam's been. He's been he was played named Player of the Week Oof. prior to the game. He's playing out of his mind. Um, Ridiculous! Like I remember the the Siakam stopper of the 2019-2020 season, where it was always like a lengthy player um, who would give him issues finishing. But it doesn't seem like that exists anymore. He just has so many counters and um, his. his his double team execution, I think, is among the best in the NBA. Like, I, I feel like I can comfortably say that now. Um, yeah. The way he draws double teams, uses it to as an advantage for his teammates, is the stuff of like top seven players. Like you don't often see that. It, mm-hmm. Frankly, there are top ten players who can't really play the double team very well. <laughs> so seeing him um, utilize it to his advantage is such a good sign for his postseason play, which I'm so excited about. Um, and I feel like it's just something that wasn't in his game prior to maybe half of last season. Um, Fred Van Vliet's double team execution has been so good for his size as well. I've, I think I don't, you've probably noticed, uh, players trapping him well beyond the perimeter as he's bringing the ball down. And he's been so good at kind of getting that, maneuvering that bounce pass to Pascal, whoever's um, trailing or ahead of him. So um, I feel like those two have been so consistent um, this season and really taking turns to help lead the team has helped um, with this stretch. And the next 30 games is going to be awesome practice for them. Absolutely. For anyone curious over the past 10 games, because I got the stats in front of me, Pascal Siakam averaging 23 points, uh, seven assists, 10 Sorry, 10, 10 rebounds, seven assists, and a couple of steals and a block. Um, he's been everything we could probably ask for. And it's cool. Yesterday after the game, he was asked about whether he likes playing point guard or not. And he said that he does, not just because he has um, you know, the ball in his hands more than he can create, but it's like it's like the rhythm that he has, that you go through those stretches where you don't hold the ball for a long time. You kind of just lose the feel for it. And he's like, with this way, like even if I'm not like taking the shots myself, I just have that feel and flow for the game. And you're just able to see things so much quicker because you're seeing the first line of defense um, from a different angle, right? And uh, that's been very interesting from his perspective is his passing. And you mentioned the trapping that teams are doing with Fred. Um, The key to like beating any kind of trap is like, you know, how quickly you can make that first pass, right? And then with that, you need a person like Scott, who's so good at this, like his, his usage has gone down a little bit, but when they need him, he's kind of there. And it's in yeah. those situations yeah. that <laughs> with the three when, or the pass. Yeah. Yeah. With like a, with a trap happens, like you got to make that first pass really, really quickly. Otherwise you're screwed. And if it's not Scotty, it's like, it's Gary, or if it's not Gary, it's OG or Pascal, like they're reading each other so well. And that's where the chemistry comes into play too. Um, I saw Chris Bosch yesterday, he posted a quote and he said that the difference between a bad, good, and great team is focus. And that applies in a lot of different areas. It's like your focus on being able to move on after a loss, your focus on each possession, your focus on the task at hand, your focus in executing sets. He's like, that is the difference. And it seems like the Raptors, they're just firing all cylinders in, in every way um, in that area. And like with that Hornets game yesterday, you could see like there was the core was tilting a little bit with the Hornets. Like they were really putting on a lot of pressure in that third quarter. Yeah. And the Raptors made a run on themselves and there wasn't celebrating. Scotty Barnes hit a three. He doesn't hit that many threes anymore. He doesn't even shoot that many threes anymore. I guess that stretch where he was asked to shoot like five a game has kind of gone away. Now he's like, no, be center, be a center, get in the dunker spot, <laughs> be an opportunistic score. Um, but anyways, I mean, I get why that happens because Gary Trent Jr. has gone insane. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's like stuff like that is that they're so locked into each and every possession and it's kind of like completing the task at hand. And that's what I loved about the Raptors, the Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan era Raptors, that they were so focused I, and they took care of business. 
Exactly. And <laughs> I don't think people realize how expressive Scotty Barnes was in college and high school. Like the difference in his focus and his concentration. People, anyone who's known him in his prior day, prior to professional play, mm-hmm. has said that the thing that stands out about him in the NBA is how at how calm and focused he is and how he's reduced like his celebrations so severely like this guy would be elated after a simple pass like he would be jumping all all of his prior teammates would talk about how his energy was just kind of the most noticeable thing about him but like the change and the maturity that you were already seeing uh, playing on this team and you're uh, honestly just seeing like the trickle down effect of the championship having uh, on uh, the veterans of the team today who were, you know, um, I don't want to say peripheral pieces of that championship team, but they weren't the main characters like they weren't sure. Kawhi and um, uh, Kyle Lowry. Obviously, Pascal was important to that, but you're just seeing how that experience in of itself is kind of trickling down to this current team and how, um, you know, it's, 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 it's already how OG is built. So he hasn't really had to do, <laughs> he, he didn't, he didn't have to do much. Um, but yeah, it's having such a positive effect on um, Scotty and Gary Trent um, and everyone uh, else on the team. Like it's been great. It's been great seeing how professional they are. And um, yeah, you, you're seeing the benefits of being a winning team, winning organization. See Gary is still celebrating, celebrating though. He had a little hang time on a dunk. A little bit, yeah. Right? yeah. Yeah, and that's okay. I don't want him to yeah. just completely abandon who he is. Like that's who he is. That's who he is. But I mean, yeah. Pascal, he only yells at Bobby Portis, Fred Van Vliet, rarely does anything. OG is OG. So yeah, I get it. And it's kind of, it's building that professionalism. And that's what I thought yesterday's win was. It was a professional win. Like you bend, but you don't break. And you keep on running your sets. You stay devoted to your system. And that's been one of the best parts about this. Like, damn the stats. Like, those are obviously very important. Yes, you're running your actions really well. Everything's very crisp, but they're so locked in. It's just who we're going to yeah. be. Like, they're regaining that formula that made them a great team for so many years and also eventually a championship team. Yeah, I mentioned it. Um, I think it was a couple of games ago. They've had a lot of clutch games lately. And I mentioned that it seems that whenever they're in their clutch minutes, they look almost bored. Like they, the way they get into it, there's no um, erratic behavior. No one is frazzled. They're extremely calm. They don't even change their pace. Like their speed mm-hmm. up the court, bringing the ball up final minute. They remain the same. Like it's very steady. Um, and But you could see the opponent making the mistakes. Like you're seeing the opponent opposing turnovers in the clutch and everything. Um, even versus Miami, they're fumbling the ball, losing it. It's getting out of bounds and everything. Um, yeah. They're taking, uh, you know, ill-fated shots and everything. So um, you're seeing just a difference in their clutch time execution. So maybe all the reps, all those close games, all those fourth quarter comebacks are kind of benefiting them um, now. Sure. But, you know, I, I it's not fun to watch, <laughs> but it, it seems stress. to be very good for the team. Stress. Yeah, stress, right? Um, they actually lead the NBA in clutch minutes over the last 15 games. So there you go. And they also had the best three-point percentage in the NBA over the past 10 games. So very good. Obviously, yeah, that has a lot to do that. with Gary Trent Jr. But I mean, I'm going to take it because that was one of the weaknesses earlier on in the season. They just weren't hitting mm-hmm. shots. Part of that probably was because they were playing like V and he was going over over whatever, over six, and that doesn't help your three-point percentage. Um, oh, yeah. But anyways, and also Pascal was struggling for a little bit with his three-point shot, but that certainly changed. I think he's shooting, what was it? Uh, yeah, he's shooting around, actually he's shooting around 40% from three over the past 15 games or so. So yeah, that has been, been figured insane. out. He's hitting some shots off the catch, which has been really, really great to see. And just with, like you've mentioned earlier, um, with the roles in the offense, they're kind of figuring that out. And I guess part of that is because of what Gary has been doing is that, you know, the shots are coming from predominantly those five guys anyways, but it's like, you know, OG and, and Scotty, like their job is to, you know, execute in mismatches, you know, create those advantages, do the kickouts when you do get doubled, beat your check down the court, trying to get some easy buckets when you can um, for OG, hit your catch and shoot threes for Scotty, you know, be that release valve when, when traps happen or just find the open space. So that way, when they do get into a jam, like you're the guy that they can find. And then he's been so good at making really important and smart decisions. Um, oh yeah. He's been a main character in yeah. a lot of those clutch moments, just from doing that job, being like that cleanup guy who cleans it up around the rim, makes the correct pass, kind of acts as like the connective tissue of the team. He did me a solid yesterday, actually. He, uh, I had him to, to score at least 10 points 
And um, he did that down the stretch of the game when he had like, seven oh, it was points dicey. Like, it was, no, it was. It got really, really tight. And he had eight points and then he got fouled and just like hit these free throws, hit these free throws. And he did. So thank you, Scotty, for making me some money. Much appreciated. Um, maybe I can pay it back uh, one day, one of these days. I want to ask you about Gary Trent Jr. Um, and especially some of the comments that his father made yesterday. Um, if anyone didn't yes. know, he appeared on um, the the Raptors show with Will Liu and Alex Wong. And uh, essentially, Gary Trent Sr. said that his son was depressed and was feeling a lot of pain being in Portland because he wasn't essentially just, you know, being used to his full potential. And that, you know, being in Toronto has really helped him kind of find himself, find his game, improve himself. What are your thoughts when you hear something like that? Um. He's probably uh, like speaking a hundred percent from the heart is probably a hundred percent true um, yeah. in regards to um, Gary's experience over the last couple of years. Um, yeah, we, it, it's funny because we kind of came across Gary, was it versus the Lakers in that Portland series uh, where he kind of had his breakout moment as, you know, people saw what he was capable of. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, for for the organization not to hold on to him and to kind of see the limits or the um, extent of his potential, it's probably disheartening. Like it's not, you know, you did, what else can you do as a, as a, um, I believe, was he a second rounder or low low first round pick? I believe he was a second rounder. I think it was 30. He was a a second rounder. Um, What more can you do beyond having um, a breakout moment in the play in the playoffs like you know so uh for him to I, I'm so glad that he's in this situation and that he's been thriving as much as he has um I'm always rooting for um players outside of the lottery to show the um extent of their potential um in the NBA in the professional field and I feel like the Raptors have become known for that like this is the, this sure. is the place where you show where you um your your um standing in the draft does not matter like it's just about what you're capable of doing on the court um if you're a great player whether you are undrafted like Fred Van Vliet uh whether you are the 27th pick like Sebastian Siakam if you are a good NBA player you will be given the keys to the organization to lead them to the promised land so yeah I, he, he fits right in with this starting five, you could tell that he's amongst his people. He's with his tribe. So, um, yeah, <laughs> hard not to feel um, yeah. happy for um, Gary. He's such a great cultural fit in addition to just playing so well. Yeah, and I don't think what he was feeling, like, by no means was it wrong. And I, I don't want anyone to feel depressed and pain or anything like that. But I think the feeling is kind of common for a lot of players entering the NBA. Like, I, I can't imagine Malachi Flynn's happy right now. Right. He was. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He was a Eastern Conference rookie of the month in like April last year. And now look where he is. He hasn't played a lot of minutes. Uh, Delano Bantis has definitely overtaken that backup point guard position, whatever backup point guard it is. Really, it's I guess it's Pascal. But those minutes are going to Delano now. And Malachi Flynn, like he should probably he's an NBA player. He's an NBA caliber player. But the role isn't there for him. And Christian Wood, a couple of years ago, he alluded to this when he was with the 76ers saying that, you know, it was annoying watching guys play in front of me when I knew that I was better than them. Right. And that is kind of just the belly of the beast with the NBA is that you have to kind of, you know, go through your lumps, um, show your stars when you get a chance to it. And when you get, when you get a chance and then, you know, you got to execute. And this trade came at a time for Gary Trent. It was a perfect time. um, Cause he got an opportunity to, you know, at the tail end of last season, show what he could do 44 points, some crazy games that he had when the Raptors were pretty much jumping and he could just kind of go out there and he was the number one option. And he showed what he could do and showed his value. And then early on the season, uh, Dragic was the was the shooting guard, or I guess Fred VanVleet was, whoever, again, whatever you want to phrase that. And then eventually uh, Trent Jr. became the sh- shooting guard. And from there, he hasn't looked back. And I asked Bobby about this yesterday or today at the press conference. He's like, you know, have you been surprised about what Gary has done um, over this last little while? He's like, I guess surprise isn't the right answer, but we're we're pleased that he's done exactly what we asked him to do during the offseason. That was, you know, become a dynamic catch and shoot sh- shooter, um, get your release faster and become a much better on ball defender. And he's done all of that stuff. All of those. 
knocked it yeah. out of the park. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And the unselfishness that I see from him and other players, it kind of goes to why their offense is kind of clicking right now is that not any of them are kind of looking for their shots. Like if they don't get the shot, a shot for a little while, um, they're not kind of rattled by it. And Gary, whether it's 20 shots or 15 shots or 12 shots, whatever, like he's just willing to do whatever it takes to win games. And that is a characteristic that has been built into any championship DNA. It's like you got to have that unselfishness uh, amongst your peers. And they got that. And um, I appreciate, you know, Gary and Gary Trent Jr., uh, Gary Trent Sr. saying those comments because it's an important message for any player that this is going to, this is kind of part of the NBA. This is it, that you're not always going to become the number one option, especially as a 37th pick. That's what it is. He was a 37th pick. Oh, yeah. Um, in the in the NBA draft, like you got to go through your lumps a little bit and you got to become battle tested and you got to fight back. And Gary did. Mm-hmm. So that's to his credit. Um, on Pascal Siakam, I get want to get your thoughts on this. Is I think Raptors Twitter have been clamoring for the Fred Van Vliet Pascal Siakam pick and roll to become a feature part of their offense. And Yasmin, it's finally happened. Yay. Yeah. Yeah. It's um uh, the Pascal Siakam Kyle Lowry pick and roll was like a huge part in the tank season. <laughs> it was a huge featured um element of the offense but I think the difference today is that before the pick and roll would always try I feel like it would usually end in Siakam finishing at the rim so it's very um 2d very Mm two-dimensional um but now there's the added element of his passing so I feel like it always turns into something that I don't expect like I'm not sure if he's gonna finish I'm not sure if he's gonna make the short roll pass to the corner I do not know if he's going to find a cutter he's been really really talented at finding a cutting Scotty who always happens to be in the right place finding OG in the dunker or like someone around the area uh, or just holding it holding on to it a little more using the um, discombobulated defense to try and find uh, a shooter on the perimeter. Um, yeah, he's just the the um, possibilities of the pick and roll have just kind of expanded. Like, um, I feel like with Kyle and um, Pascal, we always knew how it was going to end. And it wasn't always good because teams would anticipate it. Teams were always seen, always seemed to be ready. Um, and we had a lot of those issues in the clutch last season, I feel like, because the pick and roll between Pascal and Kyle would be executed, but Pascal wasn't always where he wanted to be. I feel like when he takes shots, mm-hmm. he would take shots that were like not his spots, you know, a lot of um, free throw mid rangers and stuff. I feel like that's not really his bread and bread and butter. He likes to be in the elbows. He likes to be at the rim. Um, it's not really his spot. So um, yeah, a lot of uncharacteristic shots, shots were the result of those pick and rolls. I feel like he was still learning it. Um, and now we're seeing the product of all that practice. Um, and Fred, there's no, there's fewer better partners than Fred. Um, he's an excellent ball handler. He's not the best passer. I feel like he, his pocket pass still has yet to improve. Um, sure. I, it's, it's sometimes prone to turnovers, but um, he's an excellent ball handler and he's one of the best for floor spacers in the league. So um, you, you can't really ask for an even better pick and roll partner. Um, and the result has been really awesome. Um, it, it seems to, when they, whenever they utilize it, it always seems to get something out. Like with the offense always seems to um, eat off of that. So um, yeah. yeah, I can't wait to see more of it. I can't wait to see how um, they try and remix it, maybe add Scotty as a screener or um, get Gary involved in it. So yeah. Yeah. And another part of Pascal's game is his growth. Like there, there were a lot of spots last season where he just wasn't, comfortable and that had to change because um if you wanted to become you know this dynamic scorer who could you know be a 25 points per game player he needed more spots where he was comfortable on the floor he needed more counters to his spin move or when um teams are overloading him on one side of the court and those became problems so he had to make some adjustments in the offseason and thankfully he did um i just love the idea of like when pasco switching to like pasco as a point guard is that 
when you have like Pascal's your mismatch and he has the ball in his hands going downhill and you have OG and Fred and Gary Trent Jr. as your three-point shooters, guys are all around 40% plus from that range. Like that's a great thing to have. Like that's exactly what you want from, um, from those kinds of players. And that's what you need around a person like Pascal. And he's done a great job of executing. And then Scotty Barnes, like he's, he's so versatile at such a young age and he's so his basketball IQ is like through the roof. He just keeps on finding ways to help the team. And he's kind of like relished some, in some ways, like that six, six and six line, the Marcus all special <laughs> in some ways he's, he's getting a little bit more, more uh, points than Mark did, but he's doing a lot of that now. And uh, it's been an, uh, probably another game changer for their offense. When you talk about roles and how they're able to score in a variety of situations, like the Hornets yesterday, no, they're not a great team. And I don't think they should be a team that's above 500 because every time we see them, like they're just not a good defensive team. But yeah. um, anytime that they they went at the Raptors or they overloaded the court or they threw a punch at them, like the Raptors had a counter for it. And that goes to the chemistry, that goes to their collective basketball IQ, all very valuable. So a lot of great things happening for the Raptors defensively. I mean, it's just been cool to see Chris Boucher kind of relish his role. He's a much better on-ball defender. Um, he's getting his body on when it comes to rebounding instead of just like chasing. He's like getting his body on people and he's... I'm sure he's got more bruises on his body. That's for sure. Going down there in the pain, but um, to his credit though, he's, he's dealing with it. Um, any other thoughts, Yasmin, before we close up shop here? Um, no, I think that's, I think we spoke about literally everything yeah. <laughs> regarding this team right now. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, it's, it's been great to see them find their stride. Uh, I feel like they got the bulk of the most difficult parts of the season past them. Um, with injuries, with COVID and everything. So if they manage to survive and they're at the sixth seed and they have the health, health on their side now mm-hmm. um, with the easier next 30 games of the season, I'm really in- excited to see how they deal with the adversity if they start to beat the teams that they're meant to beat and yeah. take care of business. Because, yeah, great teams beat the difficult competitions, which, which they've done over the course of January and February. Yeah, that'll, that'll be, that'll be I feel like, the true marker of a team that can really be, I feel like, a postseason dark horse. As Brian Scalabrini said, they will be a tough out for anyone. And we'll see what they do at the deadline. There will be more content coming from us around the deadline. We'll have Friday views with Aman and someone um, talking about it. And we'll probably do some content um, around like reactionary to anything that the Raptors do or when they trade Goran Dragic for whoever. (laughs) We'll have some quick reaction to it. So look out for that. Yasmin, you can find her on Dishes and Dimes, Yahoo Sports Canada and Complex Canada. Thank you so much for joining me, everyone. Have a good one. 